name is Tyler Kwasniewski. Okay, got a little oh, recording device. I thought he was giving me a timer. Like, hey, man, we better keep it on time. Uh, yeah, my name's Tyler. I'm from, uh, from Medford, Massachusetts. My wife and I just moved up, up there nine months ago. And so I'm still getting used to the whole New England thing. Uh, it's, it's been great being up here for the weekend. Uh, I did want to say it's been so encouraging uh, just to be a part of what you guys have going on here, even for a short amount of time. We have had such an incredible time. We've had so much fun. The Ball of the Beautiful was awesome. Carl did a great job. He had my knees hurting the next morning. Um, You know, it's been good seeing old friends. Phil Sarpong, I actually was in the campus ministry with him for four years. Uh, So that's awesome. Meeting new friends. Uh, I had had an interesting interaction with Carl the other day. Uh, I walk into his apartment. I think nobody's there. He thinks his roommate's walking in. And I'm greeted with this ferocious growl in the dark. Uh, he's trying to scare his roommate. And uh, scared me half to death. And uh, so that was interesting. That was one of my first interactions with Carl. <laughs> so we're learning a lot about each other. Uh, but thank you so much for, for, for your hospitality this weekend, uh, for your love. You guys have been such a hospitable family for us. And it has been a joy being with you guys. Uh, I wanted to start off with a story this morning. There was once a a tightrope walker who did incredible aerial feats, and for the sake of the story, we'll just just call this guy tightrope. And all over Paris, he would do his tightrope acts at tremendously scary heights, and then he would have succeeding acts in which he would do it blindfolded, and then he would do it blindfolded, pushing a wheelbarrow. So there was an American promoter that read about this guy, and he wrote, he wrote a, a letter to this tightrope walker, and he said, Tightrope, I don't believe that you can do it, but I'm willing to make you an offer. For a very substantial sum of money, besides all your transportation fees, I would like to challenge you to do your act over Niagara Falls. Now, Tightrope wrote back, he said, Sir, I've never been to America, but I would love to come. And so there was a lot of promotion, and there was a lot of setting the whole event up, and many people came to see this tremendous act. And tightrope was to start on the Canadian side and walk over to the American side. And so the drums roll, everybody's cheering, and he starts to walk over the rope, over Niagara Falls, and it was suspended over the most treacherous part of the falls. And to everyone's surprise, not only was he walking across the rope, he was doing it blindfolded and pushing a wheelbarrow. And the crowds go wild. And he makes it across the rope with ease. And so he comes to the promoter and says, well, Mr. Promoter, now do you believe that I can do it? Well, of course I do. I mean, I just saw you do it. No, do you really believe that I can do it? Well, of course I do. You just did it. Do you really believe that I can do it, Mr. Promoter? Now he was approaching frustration. He said, yes, I believe that you can do it. Good, said Tightrope. Then you get in the wheelbarrow. (laughs) The title of our our sermon today is, is Simple Faith. Now often God requires us to have faith in him in order for him to work in our lives. Now we see this throughout the Old Testament with the prophets. We see it throughout the life of Jesus. Faith is, is a very common topic amongst the scriptures and very clearly Some of the works and the miracles 
in the Bible were conditional to the faith present at the time. But it's not a complex or wildly intellectually straining faith that God asks of us. Tim doesn't need to do a lecture on this sort of faith. It's simple. And the difference between simple and complex faith is this. Simple faith is a foundational trust and belief in who God is and his abilities. Now, our hope today is to remind and hopefully inspire us to be men and women of simple faith. A body of believers that down to our core, we live our lives with that same foundational trust and belief in who God is and his abilities. Now, simple does not necessarily mean easy, as many of us know. (laughs) Because at times, trusting in God and believing in his abilities over our own can be incredibly difficult. And as many of us also know, God will often call us into situations that are out of our comfort zones. Or even into areas that are uncharted, dangerous waters. But it's because of this that these are the areas of our lives where God's true power can be shown. There's a quote by a man named George Mueller, who who I've heard you guys have read his book, Answers to Prayer. Um, He says this, Faith does not operate in the realm of the possible. There is no glory for God in that which is humanly possible. Faith begins where man's power ends. Turn your Bibles over to Matthew 14, verse 22. Now, something about me, just want to let you guys know, I am what you would call a feedback speaker. So what that means is I am incredibly encouraged by when you tell me what you're thinking. If I say something that strikes you, say, good point, bro. If the word of God convicts your heart, throw me a slice it, brother. Slice my heart out there. We can, we can have a mutually encouraging time here today with some, with some good feedback. And so we pick up here in Matthew 14, chapter 22. And this is about the middle of Jesus' time in his ministry. Now, Jesus at this point had already displayed countless miracles. He had already calmed the storms. He had already healed people of leprosy and all types of diseases. He's rebuked demons out of people. In the same chapter, he fed over 5,000 people, 5,000 men, plus women and children. Jesus, you could say, was in his prime. And as one of his disciples, one of his followers, someone who's been seeing all of these things, I'd imagine that you'd probably be feeling pretty confident in your Lord at this time, having seen everything. Now we pick up here in Matthew 14, chapter 22. It reads this, Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of them to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied. Tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on water, and came toward Jesus. Now this is no doubt a story that that many of us have heard before. 
that the disciples are on a boat and the storm starts brewing and all of a sudden they see this man start walking towards them. And by this point, you would have thought that they could have put the pieces together. Am I right? That it was Jesus performing yet another miracle that was supernatural beyond what they could understand. But, you know, when Acts 4 reminds us that these dudes, they were unschooled. They were ordinary fellas. They probably just weren't the brightest bunch. But Jesus reassures them. He says, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. And I love Peter's response. He says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Now, I don't know what put that in his mind. But he said, Lord, if it's you, let me do something that has never been done before. And he gets out of the boat and he walks on water. Peter's immediate response was one of simple faith. Yeah. Mm. He trusted and believed in who Jesus was and his abilities, and he stepped out on that faith. Yeah. One of, or first of two points today. I'm going to do the first. APL is going to do the second. Amen. It's right here. Are you a water walker or a boat potato? <laughs> Are you a water walker? Or a boat potato? I want to encourage us to ask ourselves that question today. Because Peter was a water walker. Both literally and metaphorically. Now he got to do something that 99.999% of humanity will never be able to do. And the rest of his disciples, they're boat potatoes. Now here's the thing, they were still faithful. They were still spiritual guys. These are the apostles we're talking about. These are guys that wrote the scriptures that we're reading today. But one decision separated Peter from the rest of the group and allowed him to experience a miracle that they would never get to experience. And it was the decision to have simple faith and act on it. That although they they were still faithful spiritual men of God, because of their decision to be boat potatoes, they would never get to experience that miracle that, Peter, that Peter got to experience. And Peter stepped out of the security of the boat into uncharted, dangerous waters. Now, this wasn't because he had any ability himself. We know that, right? Like, he didn't take some online course on water walking. There wasn't any trick to it. It was simply because he made a decision to put himself in a situation in which only the power of the Lord could ensure success. And because of that, became a walking miracle. Now, I do want to go back to this, this guy, George Mueller. Um, Answers to Prayer. I've read that book, one of, the, one of the most convicting books on prayer that I've ever read. Glenn told me that some of you guys have read it. That's him right there. He's a good-looking dude. I love that guy. He looks, so, he looks so happy, you know? He's just a good guy. And now, in 1836, if you don't know, this guy, George, decided to that in some way, he wanted to prove that God was still faithful to us. And so he resolved that he was going to open an orphan house and he was going to run it without ever asking anyone for anything. And here's what he said. He said, the primary objective of the work was and still is that God might be magnified by the fact that the orphans under my care are provided with all they need only by prayer and faith without anyone being asked by me or my fellow laborers whereby it may be seen that God is faithful still and hears prayers still. And I love reading answers to prayer, reading the journal entries, because he faced storm after storm 
after yeah. storm. In which he always responded with prayer and faith. When outbreaks of smallpox began to devastate the orphans. When days approached where they didn't have enough money to even feed the children. Days where they weren't sure how they would pay the bills. Imagine what that must have felt like. That you set off resolutely on this journey to prove that God is faithful. And there were days that you weren't even sure you could take care of the very orphans that you said you would take care of. The comfort, the discomfort rather, that you would feel. But day after day, he was completely reliant that God would provide. He said this, wherever God has given faith, it is given among other reasons for the very purpose of being tried. And by the end of this man's life, he cared for over 10,024 orphans. He established 117 schools which offered Christian education to more than 120,000 orphans. And by the time he died, Although his worldly possessions were valued at only $800, he was handling over $8 million through his work with the orphan houses. George Mueller was an example of a man that through simple faith was willing to step out of his boat even when the storms were raging. And because of it had impact on hundreds of thousands of orphans and even further than that has inspired and challenged people in their faith like you and I, and will continue to do so for decades. George was a water walker. And the reality is, it's easy to be faithful when the waters are still. But it's when the storms hit that our true identity is shown. It's when the storms hit that the water walkers are separated from the boat potatoes. It's when the storms hit that our core convictions for how we live our lives are revealed. Boat potatoes live lives based around the self-defeating principle of I can or I cannot. But water walkers live lives based, around, or based upon the conquering principle of God can or God cannot. Amen. In Matthew 17, 20, you don't have to turn there, but it reads this, truly I tell you, this is Jesus speaking, If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Church, we are meant to be water walkers and mountain movers. We are meant to do things that this world has never seen before, changing the lives of those around us, overcoming sin in our own lives, the very sin that entangles this world into darkness. We are meant to move the hand of God to do miracles both in our lives and the people that we encounter. That is who we are meant to be. It's who we should be. But are we allowing ourselves to partake in the miracles of God or admiring them from a distance? You know, recently, if I can be honest with you guys, I have been tempted more than ever to fear or yeah, to fear embracing uncomfortable waters. Over the past year, it's been, frankly, one of the most difficult years of my life and one of the craziest. Where over the past year, there's a lot of good things and a lot of bad things. I got married nine months ago, which was awesome. I moved across the country from Indiana to Boston. I went from working uh, in my job in the campus ministry now to working with my job in the young professionals. I have all new relationships. I have all new peers. And when all this was happening... My wife actually ended up losing her father in a motorcycle accident throughout all this transition. 
And so from learning how to be married, to building new friendships, to, to learning a new job, to now consoling my grieving wife, I feel incredibly uncomfortable. And the idea of seeking more discomfort is terrifying to me. <laughs> but knowing that despite my current circumstance or stage of life or attitude, my potential with the power of God to walk on water makes me want to live my life as a water walker Amen. and not a boat potato. Amen. To be faithful and action-oriented despite the storms that have been present in my life as of lately. I don't want to be a boat potato. Come on. I don't want to be a stinking boat potato. When the storms hit, though, are we quick to step out into uncomfortable waters or are we quick to embrace the comfort of our boat when waters begin to stir? The life of a water walker is exciting and faithful. Here's what it looks like. Water walkers, they take advantage of reaching out and sharing our faith even when it's uncomfortable. Water walkers, they live out discipleship uncompromisingly. Water walkers will go anywhere and do anything in the name of the Lord, even when it might look foolish to those around you. Water walkers pray constantly, both when the storms are raging and when the waters are calm. Water walkers are the men and women that we admire in the scriptures every single day that we have an opportunity to imitate in our lives as well. Church, we can experience with the world the miracles that God desires to bring. But if you want to walk on water, you got to get out of the boat. Amen. At this time, APL is going to come to you. Amen, church. As Tyler mentioned, my name is Anthony Pierre-Louis, and I got the opportunity to be able to come before you guys and speak before you. My point is the snare of comfort and security. Come on, bro. Turn your Bibles over to Matthew chapter 6. Now, I love this story about Peter walking on water. It's, it's a story like this that makes him one of my favorite biblical characters. Now, he literally was a water walker. One of the only guys that got to walk on. on water. And what's yep. more, he did it with the Savior of the world. Man. Could you imagine walking on water with Jesus? You know, it was, it was kind of water walking faith that Peter had. Yep. It's that kind of faith that Jesus calls us to. It's even in Matthew 6. We're going to go to verse 30, 31. And this is in the middle of Jesus' most famous sermons. It's the Sermon on the Mount. And he's, he's focusing on the idea of not worrying about the things of this world. Yeah. But in verse 31, he says, Do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Mm-hmm. Seek first comfort and security. Mm-hmm. Not what it says. <laughs> Not what it says. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Yeah. No, that is simple faith. That's the faith that Jesus calls us to have. You know, pursuing comfort and security, especially in fleeting things, things that don't last, they can stop us from walking on water, from having that kind of faith 
and leaving us acting like a boat potato. Yeah, come on, don't want to be that. I'm going to be honest with y'all, you know, walking on water is something that I wish that I say I could relate to Peter with. Like, Peter, yeah, I remember that time I walked on water. And it's funny, right? A couple years ago, I was at a campus retreat, right? And we were on this campground, and there was a lake at this campground. Okay. Now, it was really, really cold. I think it was like single digits that entire month. So the whole lake was frozen over. So me, you know, in my, in, in my... Little young naive mind, I came up with the idea that I'm going to walk on this lake. I'm going to figure out an idea for where nobody's around that I'm going to walk on this lake by myself. Is what I thought, right? And I walked all the way up to the water and I thought, God doesn't want me to do this. This is, this is not a, a righteous reason to go about it. I know I want to walk on water and be like Peter and Jesus. But I shouldn't do this. But I wanted to do it just so I could say I walked on water. Frozen water, but water nonetheless. But I imagine, you know, just think, think with me for a second. Imagine the faces of the disciples in the boat when they saw their friend Peter walking on water. You know, one of the things they mentioned, like this was in the middle of the night. It's dark. And they can't see Jack squat. You know, the, the waves are flashing, but they see their friend Peter walking on water. Yeah. Now, while they resided in the boat in comfort and security, Peter relied and trusted in the power of his God. Mm-hmm. My question for you today is, what is your boat? Mm-hmm. What is the thing that keeps you from stepping out on faith? Mm-hmm. You know, our boats, our areas of security and comfort, they can look very different yeah. depending on who you are. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to be honest, they aren't necessarily a bad thing. You know, for, for the disciples, the boat was the thing that actually was helping them get across the lake. Yeah. Jesus actually sent them on the boat right. and sent them across, right? Yeah. Think about being on a boat in the middle of Casco Bay. Like that's, that's your saving grace right there. You don't want to be trying to be swimming out there. And many of our comforts and securities actually come from God himself. Right. Amen. The problem can be... And we refuse to step out of those comforts and securities. When God calls us into the storms and we rely on the things of this world instead of on him. You know, maybe your boat is relationships. You know, whether it be your friends, your family, your spouse. You know, it's with them that you put your security and your trust instead of with God. You know, staying in the boat might look like a lack of desire to build new relationships outside of the ones you already have. And maybe choosing comfort in your current relationships instead of practicing humility and seeking the help of others. It could also be spending, t- spending time only with people whom you invested in, knowing that they're going to invest in you back. Or a lack of wanting to pursue and share your life like Jesus did with others. Yeah. Or maybe your boat is some type of sin. You, know, you find comfort in your addiction, whether it be with drinking or partying or smoking. Sexual morality, selfishness, pride. You prioritize your own comfort and desires above God's. Staying in the boat can equate to lack of openness and real, genuine repentance. Maybe your boat is your abilities. No, your safe zone is doing what you're good at. You know, well, I'm not good at evangelism, so I won't, I won't push myself. And that's what you think in your mind. You trust in your own abilities Instead of on God's. You know, I'm I'm not naturally serving, so I'm going to let somebody else do that. You know, although there's a need, 
They're, they need you. God's calling you. That's not something that's your gift, so I'm not going to try to fulfill it. And to be honest, church, I feel like that's my boat. Now, I, I can totally tend to worry about myself, worry about what I can do, and how I can look good or appear good, and make sure that I'm actually growing in my own self, instead of relying on God and his kingdom. You know, this absolutely, positively comes from my pride. It's something I have to fight for day in and day out. Because naturally, I'm just a more self-reliant person instead of God-reliant. Can anybody relate? Now, I'm like Tyler, so I need some encouragement, right? I need some hmms. I need some, come on, bro, preach it. But one of the ways that God helps me get more God-reliant is through prayer. You know, a scary prayer that I started praying in 2018 was that God, positively, seriously, would help me rely on him all the more. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I remember getting on my knees praying that kind of prayer, you know, you know, week in and week out. Sometimes I would even hesitate. I'm like, God, I'm not sure. <laughs> I was like, no, help me rely on you. Amen. Not knowing what would come. You know, ultimately, I had in my mind, my goal was him. So in an effort, I wanted to practice humility, to rid myself of the pride, I continue to ask God to rely on him. You know, it's scary. It's crazy challenging, but it's awesome. You know, in James 1, 2, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. I could never quite understand this scripture. Couldn't quite understand. How do you have pure joy in the midst of many trials? You know, I knew how to be joyful, but how how do you have pure joy? Like, it being pure. But I've learned, in the midst of trial, that's when we grow the most. That's when we draw nearest to our Father. And that's when His power really rests on us. You know, it's in the midst of trial that I tend to go and pray to God the most. You know, prayer forces me to give up control, yeah. to trust in the ability and the power of our God. Amen. Now, I'm accustomed to being able to be influenced and influencing others, to have some kind of say or some kind of vote in any kind of situation I'm in. But for me, allowing myself to be humble, I have to relinquish control. And it can be a challenge for me. For me, stepping out of the boat looks like praying consistently to God for helping me rely on him. It's scary, but it also helps my heart to humble out to his plan and to his abilities instead of my own. You know, it's submitting to God's plan and being content, but even more so living it out and acting out on faith. Stepping out is trusting in God when he says his power is made perfect in my weakness. And boasting in my weaknesses all the more and in God's abilities. You know, I'm so grateful, so, so grateful, church, that I get to be here speaking before you. Amen. you know, I was, when I was young, when I was a little kid, I had so many struggles. Public speaking, stuttering, mumbling. I still even struggle with some of that today. Yet God continues to use me to speak to his people. Amen. Who am I? I'll tell you. Absolutely, positively, completely nothing. Mm-hmm. 
Who is God? Absolutely, positively, completely everything. You know, all the glory, all the honor, all the praise belongs to our God. Amen? Amen. That's who God is. That's who he wants us to be. Now, whatever our boats look like, if you want to see the, the power of God in your lives, if we want to the, experience the miracles, to walk on water, we've got to be quick to step out of the boat Amen. when God calls us. You know, God has shown me personally how that can happen in my own life. When I get out of the boat, when I put my faith in him, when I trust in him and his abilities, how I can be a water walker. You know, my junior year of college, I was asked to become a small group leader to be a little campus Bible discussion group. And me, I was terrified. I was like, you guys want me, out of all people, me, to like lead this thing. I can understand coming, but you want me to like lead it. You sure? And I remember thinking like, there was a couple of days I was like, guys, is this, is this really what you want? For real. But if God trusted in me, if God chose me, if God asked me to fulfill his will, to do something, to change people's lives. Who was I to deny him? Who was I to say no? You know, I remember there was one summer, too, after about a year of doing this, I got really discouraged. Because I remember I prayed, and I tried to share my life and share my faith almost every day for an entire summer. I was on my campus. I would talk to so many guys, and I couldn't find one guy, not one, who wanted to get to know the God that changed my entire life. And I remember being really discouraged. I felt very insecure and I was uncomfortable. I felt like I wasn't representing God the way he wanted me to. Mm -hmm. I remember I got real with one of my friends, just kind of sharing how I was feeling. And I'll never forget the words he uttered to me. He asked, you know, are you living for yourself? You know, are you more focused on your security and how you look and seem? Or are you living for eternity? I really convicted my soul right there. Because I thought in my own mind, I'm like, man, maybe I'm not saying the right thing. Maybe I'm not doing the right thing. Am I dressing right? I was focused on me the whole time instead of on God. And he reminded me of that. You know, you also reminded the scripture in Hebrews 11, verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Amen. He rewards those who earnestly seek him. I remember having those two thoughts in my mind. I'm like, well, I haven't met you guys, but that's what God calls me to do, so that's what I'm going to do. Amen. You know, I planted seeds, I watered them, but I didn't get to see any fruit. I'm like, God, where, where is it at? You're the one that makes it grow. You have the control. Right. I got to give it to you. Amen. I'm leaving it in your hands. On, and it was crazy. That next semester in the fall, I met a guy named Andrew Corsi. We ended up getting baptized in December, the end of the semester. It was even more the following semester. I met another guy named Chris who got baptized. That summer, I met another girl named Jackie who used to be one of my residents because I was an RA. We ended up making Jesus Lord. Then, Then another guy, my first guy I ever shared my life with, how God changed it. I had no idea what I was doing, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Decided to make Jesus Lord. His name was Alex. Amen. Next semester, Andrew met another guy named Sam. We ended up becoming a disciple. They met another guy named Marcus. And another one of my residents, Day Hoon. I brought out to Easter service one year. Got baptized an exact year later on wow. Easter. Wow. 
That's seven souls. Seven souls got their lives changed. Just because I decided to speak up and open my mouth. Now, I didn't see any of that. And I I wondered, I I questioned, was God there? Could I be a water walker? Or was I just going to be a boat potato? You know, what's cool is that Andrew, just this last fall, he's baptized two guys. One named Bradley Pierre and one named Anthony Glass. His, his roommate, his name is Lewis. They, they, they've been studying with him. He's been trying to reach out to him. And the joke is that they've been trying to put my name together. <laughs> Anthony Pierre Lewis. That's what they've been trying to do. You know, Jesus was a water walker. Amen. And so was Peter. But the question I have for you guys today is, are you? You know, whether you're on the mountaintop and feeling great about life, so grateful for all the blessings that God has poured into you, or you're in the midst of a valley, so many trials, our God calls us to have simple faith. Amen. That's what Peter had. You know, he got out of his boat. The question remains is, are you going to get out of yours? Amen. Church, let's make the decision today that we're going to be water walkers Amen. and experience the miracles that God has planned for our lives and have simple faith. To God be the glory.